Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, you can follow us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's the Preakness Stakes this weekend, so we head on out to the KDOS hotline, joined by Sean Alvarez at SmoothTurn2 on Twitter. Sean, appreciate the time as always. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we alluded to it when we talked before the Derby. Uh, you know, every time – we get the chat. It's it's. I'm very excited about horse racing. So it's a great weekend. We have got the PGA on right now, and uh, tomorrow we'll 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 uh, get to bet on the Preakness. Absolutely. But first of all, before we get too far into the Preakness, I do want to give you some kudos here because you brought up Mage as a horse that you liked, and he went on to win the Kentucky Derby a few weeks ago. So I'll give you a second to revel in your glory. Yeah, definitely. I, I appreciate that. I, I wish I would have given out the. Uh, the winning exact on this show, I was a little bit too deep on top at Trice, but uh, we did get Mage home, and I was lucky enough to take sixth in the Express Bet contest. So, wound up going home with a little over, a little under sixteen thousand dollars and a six thousand dollar entry into the Pegasus World Cup betting challenge uh, next January. Well, congratulations on all of that, and uh, we'll certainly be following you in your uh, horse racing extravaganza adventures ahead. But let's try to figure out what's going on with this Preakness race. Mage has entered the Preakness. The Preakness Stakes is Saturday, coverage starting at 1.30 p.m. on NBC. He is the only horse in this seven-horse field that competed in the Kentucky Derby. So how rare is that, and does that make Mage the favorite ahead of Saturday? You know, I mean, the Triple Crown, you'll hear a lot of people talking about this, whether you're on social media or just watching kind of the NBC coverage, but the Triple Crown races, those three races, not only the distance, how big the races are, but also just the time in between them and the travel, these are three of the tough. If you race in all three, it's probably the toughest three stretches of racing that any horse is going to encounter in their lifetime. So when you don't, you know, we didn't have a, a super strong Kentucky Derby field going into the Derby anyways, but then when horses don't run as well as they thought, maybe there's an issue with, you know, them not being hundred percent healthy, but it, it, with it going two weeks after the, their biggest race of their life, it's, it's definitely common to see them kind of skip a race two weeks after, whereas normally you're giving horses a full month of rest before their next race. So you do see it often, not often, but it is common for horses that didn't race in the Derby to skip the Preakness, as long as they're not, you know, I mean, if they ran a great race in the Derby and they come back healthy, you're probably going to wheel them back in the Preakness. But it's definitely not uncommon to see. Sean Alvarez, follow him on Twitter at SmoothTurn2 as we're chatting Preakness Stakes here. Before we get much further into the actual horses, can you explain to us the Preakness track and how you see this race being run? Yeah, so the, the the track at Pimlico where they race the Preakness is, is a little bit smaller of a track than Churchill Downs, so you are going to get a little bit tighter turns. Um, you know, you're not going to have those big sweeping turns, and especially when we talk three weeks from now, Belmont has huge sweeping turns. So as far as the pre or as far as the Triple Crown races go, it's the tightest track that they're going to run. They do come back a half panel, a half furlong. They're going to run a mile and three eighths on Saturday. Um, so as far as the race goes, you, you, it, it, it's definitely a versatile track. You don't have to be near the lead. You can come from off the pace. Um, it, it's a fair track. It's really going to come down to the weather. Um, and from what I'm seeing, we might see a little bit of rain the night before. 
But by the time the Preakness runs, we're, I'm expecting a dry track. And so when it comes to, you kind of alluded this here to having only two weeks off. So uh, does that hurt Mage or does that benefit some of the other horses here in this seven horse field? I mean, you know, like you said, I kind of alluded to it. This is probably the only time in Mage's career that he's going to run without having a full month layoff. Obviously, if he does well and runs in the Belmont, he'll have three weeks, but this is not a normal thing. I don't necessarily think that it hurts Mage, but it definitely gives a little bit of a, a bump up or an upgrade to the other horses that have been sitting in the barn, gotten workouts, they're eating. They're, I mean, I'm not saying Mage isn't eating or isn't going on the track, but they're not going to run any kind of blowout. They're not going to get the horse in any kind of more peak physical fitness. They're just going to try and run off of what they have in the Derby and hope to just kind of hang on, um, if you will, for major fitness levels. Sean Alvarez at Smooth Turn 2. Follow him on Twitter as we're chatting the Preakness race, which is this Saturday here. So does strategy change for you with there only being seven horses in the race? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not the break that we were talking about in the Derby. If you got the if you had the rail in the Derby, you can almost scratch off your chances of winning. You have to run a great race and a perfect trip. The rail in a seven-horse field is it really just comes down to what your running style is and does it fit, you know, other breakers that are going to come around you. So um, it definitely changes, you know, the pace and mapping out the race. You know, there's not necessarily going to be as much issues or trouble that the horses are going to encounter. It's more of a jockey's race. Is the horse going to break where the jockey wants him to? Is the jock going to be able to settle the horse where he wants him to? And will he respond when the jock goes to ask? So, it's not – you don't have to handicap as much trouble. Um, so it's definitely a little bit different of a process in handicapping. So when you're also talking about pace, is there a particular horse in this race that you would consider to be a pace setter, or is it being with seven horses that that pace kind of also is different? There's a couple horses that I think are going to gun for the lead. Uh, the one, National Treasure, and the four, Coffee with Chris. Uh, the pace definitely changed a little bit with the scratch of the eight first mission. They didn't want to go too fast too early. I don't think anybody of those two horses would really want the lead, mainly because the eight first mission was going to sit just off of them and have first asking. So if they went too fast, the eight first mission was just going to act as if he was on the lead and run his own race and most likely just go right on by him. Now it, it, it becomes a little bit different. I think the one national treasure is going to gun for the lead, um, mainly because the horse doesn't pass horses late. He needs to set the precedent, set his, uh, his positioning in the race, and just try to kick on and hold off the other horses coming down the lane. Um, if you look at his past performances, he just doesn't do much running down the stretch. He'll hold on, he'll dig in, but he doesn't pass horses. So him just try to sit off the lead, I think that was going to be a bad decision. Uh, and I was going to actually play against this horse. And now with the scratch of the eight first mission, this is, I think the, the one national treasure is a big player. Uh, coming up in the race tomorrow. You mentioned National Treasure 4-1, to one, Blazing 7, 6-1. to one. I was going to ask you about first mission, but we won't do that. So from the National Treasure 4-1 to one, and then Blazing 7, 6-1, to one, what do you make about Blazing 7s? It's definitely an interesting horse. He, he ran really good as a two-year-old. He had great uh, trips and ran on when he could. And it was against much tougher 
he ran really good as a two-year-old, great, and responded well. And he, he, he went up against much tougher competition than he's going to face tomorrow. Um, I really like when Chad Brown skips a race and then points to another race. He didn't run, run great as a three-year-old. Kind of disappointing when he was asked. Instead of kicking on, he kind of went backwards. Chad put him on the shelf. I, I should have looked this up before I'm going to dive into it, but I'm pretty sure Blazing Sevens qualified for the Derby and decided not to run. So I'm not saying that there was something wrong with them, but Chad obviously didn't like that spot. We wheel back to a few years back when cloud computing didn't run in the derby, came back in the Preakness, I believe won at 10 to one in Chad Brown barn kind of looks like the same type of horse. And then Irad Ortiz sticks around. Irad, I'm sure had a lot of calls. He's one of the top riders. He's, he's, he's somebody you want on your horse in a big race. Instead, he stuck around with Chad, and that just tells me Irad and Chad have a plan for this horse, and I think he's going to fire a big race. Horses perform 15 to 1, Coffee with Chris 20 to 1, and Chase the Chaos is 50 to 1. So, what do you uh, see from these trio of horses? With the six perform, he's going to sit the kind of right trip. He's going to be mid pack. He doesn't have to be too far back, he doesn't have to be close. But you kind of look back, and he won. He broke his maiden two starts back at a thirty-seven thousand dollars maiden race at Tampa Bay. This is a much different race. He was also three to five that race, so he did it kind of. He, he did what was expected of him. Um, also, Irad was riding that horse, and Irad uh, is choosing not to ride again. So, kind of shows you what the people, you know, the the human connections of the horse think of his chances. I think he could round out the exacta. On top, I just don't think this horse has much of a chance to beat these. Coffee with Chris, I, I just don't see this horse sticking around um, as far as late in the lane to finish in the money. But this horse is definitely going to be a pace presence. Um, he's gonna, I, I think he could cause a lot of fits for the one national treasure if he chooses to do so. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens out of this break because if the one national treasure sits back, the four coffee with Chris could get an easy lead at 20 to one. It'll be interesting to see what he does, you know, sticking around late in the lane. However, if the one national treasure gets the lead, I just don't see the four hanging around trying to sit. So he could go up and just try to duel with the one and, and just uh, cause fits for him on the lead. And chase the chaos at 50 to one. I mean, uh, 50 to one, right? There's a reason that he's 50 to one. Yeah, I mean, nothing against Golden Gate. I really like the track up in San Francisco area. Um, but he did his best racing on the synthetic against much weaker fields at Golden Gate. None of none of those races were all that impressive, even against that company. I just, I mean, if this horse even breaks the top four, I'd be shocked. Sean Alvarez at Smooth Turn 2 right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra points. So, uh, it's only seven horses. We went through a few of them here. So, who do you like to win the race? Uh, we kind of alluded to it with the seven blazing sevens. Um, man, I kind of just put two and two together, the seven blazing sevens. Maybe, you know, it's a prophecy. Um, but, no, uh, I really like the human connections. I love when Chad kind of has this move, skipping the derby, going into the Preakness. Um, I think the sevens is going to run a, a really big race, and I wouldn't be shocked if, if we wound up seeing the seven winning the Preakness. The other one that's interesting to me is the five red route one. He will come from the back. Um, 
and that's not necessarily a bad thing for him. That's where he does his best running. He's done his he's done good running when they went slow up front. He's done his good running when they had moderate uh, fractions or the, when they went quick. So he doesn't necessarily need quick fractions to run into. He doesn't need the leaders to come back to him. I think he's going to be firing a big race coming into the stretch. Joel Rosario's riding. I think he's got some of the best hands in the business as far as getting a horse to just relax and, and then finally closing. He closes really well, um, better than a lot of jockeys. So he's giving me Joel on a closing horse at 10 to 1. I really like that. And then the other horse that I'm really scared about, I was going to play against him all week until the scratch of the eight, uh, first mission, and that's the one national treasure. I think, I think Javi and, and Bob know that this horse is not going to be trying to pass horses late. I think they're going to gun from the rail and try to gun for the lead going into that first turn. And if he gets the lead and Coffee with Chris doesn't challenge him, I think he can put him to sleep on the front end, and we can just see him just go on with it. So those are some outrights that you like here, but as always, there's uh, you know exacta bets, trifecta bets, etc. So with such a small field, what do you do in that in that category? So the value that I'm going to try and play is, is basically I'm going to try and beat the public. Um, so I'm I'm playing against Mage on top. So if you take your eight to five favorite and you chuck them out, if we can get a price up top, even if Mage comes in second, we can still get a, a pretty a decent um, exact payoff, even even in a short field. I mean, it, kind of alluding back to Mage, we're talking about an eight to five. All the public are gonna, all they're gonna see is it's the Kentucky Derby winner. They don't remember any of these other horses because they didn't run in the Kentucky Derby. So you're gonna get a lot of public money. Mage is really, I think, is gonna be a heavy favorite, just kind of based off of what I alluded to with the public, um, you know, keying on that horse. So I'm going to play the one National Treasure, the five Red Route 1, and the seven Blazing 7s on top. And then I'm going to come back with the one, three, five. I'm also going to add the six just in case he runs a big race. I do really like Sheldon Russell. I'm sorry, um, Lynch, the jockey. They run really well at Pimlico. It might be one of those horses for the course kind of thing. So it's one, it's one, five, seven over or with one, three, five, six, and seven. And for a dollar, that's going to cost you 12 bucks. Even if we just beat the favorite and he comes in second, I think this is going to pay at least 20 to $30 uh, just beating that favorite. So um, it's not necessarily something that I think we're going to lose money in if the chalk uh, comes out on top, or at least the chalk that we have. So again, it's one, five, seven over one, three, five, six, and seven. Sean Alvarez, you can follow him on Twitter at SmoothTurn2, uh, right here on KDUS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Is there anything else storyline-wise that you are looking for ahead of Saturday or even on race day? Um, I mean, I think it's always great to see a Triple Crown, or at least a horse trying or vying for a Triple Crown. I don't have the horse on top. I'm trying to beat him. But as far as the storyline goes, I think it'd be great to see Mage tr- at least trust the Triple Crown in three weeks at Belmont. And the other great storyline on that is, I don't know, I'm not sure how long it's been, maybe five, six, seven years, but Tom Durkin's been retired for five, six, seven years-ish. He's one of the greatest race callers of all time. He's coming back just to call the Belmont. So if we can see Mage trying for the the Triple Crown at Belmont with Tom Durkin calling it, I think it'd be great. It's not necessarily something I'm betting on. Uh, Don't want to swallow those odds. But I think that'd be a cool storyline to see. 
Sean, as always, we greatly appreciate your time, expertise in the horses, and let's have a fun Saturday. Absolutely. I always appreciate talking with you. Sean Alvarez there. Follow him on Twitter at SmoothTurn2 and the Preakness Stakes. It's Saturday. Coverage starts here 1.30 p.m. local time on NBC.